This week's episode is brought to you by the Disney DVD release of Phineas and Ferb Mission Marvel. It's on sale now, but wait till you hear our review before you buy your copy. Hello and welcome to CommunicoR Weekly, the greatest online show. Sorry, squirrels. I'm George, and I'm Jeb. Sorry, I got a little distracted for a second there. I wasn't sure what, what you were saying, and then I was very confused. That's why well, I figured we need to apologize to the squirrels. Well, yeah, we um, we are sorry, squirrels. Apologies, yes, apologies, because okay. other things can happen too. Yes, so. yes. Well, thank you for coming back for another fun-filled episode of Communicore Weekly, and we're excited about this episode. There's really no particular reason why we just happen to be excited because we're, we're always, always excited. excited. Yeah, yes. we're always excited. It's so much fun to bring the show to the cadets. You actually did not sound excited when you said that. No, I didn't. I no. felt excited. Okay. My hands were gesticulating wildly, so maybe that's where the energy was. Oh, hang on. I gotta get a thesaurus again. To... <laughs> well, I gotta not a thesaurus, a dictionary. I gotta see. See, I, I even mess up my my own jokes. Forget it. I'm done with this. We didn't even start recording the actual episode yet, and I'm already messing up left and right. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, We've got white out, right? Yeah, we'll just white out what I'm saying, and we'll yeah. Let, forget it. Let's just do the history. I'm done. It's time for Disney History! Themed after the movie of the same name, Alice in Wonderland attraction is one of Disneyland's most famous dark rides, and it's also one of my personal favorites. Mm -hmm. So, the ride, it places guests inside a colorful caterpillar-styled car, and it drops them into the very bizarre world from the novel and the film, mostly based on the film, though, obviously. Yes, so, obviously. The attraction, it was actually originally conceived as a series of walkthrough displays, which would have been open in time for the park's opening in 1955, and uh, some of the scenes were to include a, a tilting stairs to climb and a slide to sli slide down on. Yeah, Alice's curious lawsuit labyrinth is all I was <laughs> well, thinking Well, maybe back, that. not back in 1955, uh, but true. these days. Yeah, these days, anyways. Well, you know, time and money, of course, was too tight at the time, like it's always been. So the walkthrough was put on hold. And the attraction wouldn't be ready actually until June 1958, and by then it had changed drastically. Uh, originally, it was slated to go where Pinocchio's Daring Journey sits today, but as you know, it's on the eastern side of Fantasyland, and Alice shares part of its show building with Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Uh, and during the 700-foot trip through Wonderland, you actually climb above the second floor of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride without ever knowing it. Except mm -hmm. for now. Now you know Except it. Except for now. Like a five-legged ride. Five-legged toad? Yeah, five-legged toad. Much Ooh. better. Go with oh, that one. Go. We got a new segment. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> and in this case, Alice actually required a D ticket in the late 1950s and a C in the 1960s. But in 1971, it actually went down to a B ticket. Wow. That's crazy. That's pretty ridiculous. Crazy. But it's Good nice. Value. Yeah. They, got, they got a little cheaper as time, time went on, which is fine. <laughs> so, 
The, the attraction itself, it's always been unique when compared to other dark rides because it takes guests outside of its building, and in this case, it's outside of its building for a gentle ride across the tops of oversized plants, which is kinda cool. And then, after that, you're lowered slowly into the unbirthday scene, which was actually added in 1984 after a renovation. And because of this outside portion, Alice often closes when it rains because nobody wants to get wet. Unless they're on Splash Mountain. Also, no, I mean, it's such a slow-moving vehicle, too. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get really wet. And to be honest with you, it's probably rained a grand total of 15 minutes since I've been here for the last four <laughs> months, so not really an issue, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, speaking of the 1984 renovation, uh, 25 years after it opened, Alice was late to a very important date once again. See, mm. the entirety of Fantasyland went under renovation and was set to open in 1983. And most of it did, for the most part, except for Alice, which was closed from September 1982 until April 1984. Okay, so inside the attraction itself, uh, some of the displays included uh, some of the more famous scenes from the film and many of the characters, such as the White Rabbit, the Cheshire Cat, the Mad Hatter, and more. The surreal styles and kaleidoscopic colors and buoyant music from the film round out the package. Catherine Bowman, Beaumont, excuse me, who voiced the character of Alice in the film, provided vocals for the attraction as well, and she even returned to update the vocals in the 1984 renovation. That renovation also brought the removal of the topsy-turvy upside-down room, but added about a minute to the ride's runtime, so making it four minutes long. Which is four minutes of pure madness, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. It's kind of insane. So, to create a more unified theming in Fantasyland, the Mad Tea Party attraction, not the Mad Tea Party, which is the party at DCA, which nobody likes, but the <laughs> Mad Tea Party attraction was relocated uh, to the rear of Fantasyland to a spot adjacent to Alice in Wonderland, the ride, that very same year. That way, you know, you can have all the Alice rides together, yeah. which is great. So Claude Coates, who worked on the film, is credited as the attraction's main designer. And uh, Tony Baxter brought a lot of the eye-popping new effects to the table in the 1984 renovation. And actually, one plan that never came to fruition was the addition of a Wonderland toy shop, which would have sat to the left of the attraction, closer to where the restrooms are now. But not, they wouldn't have existed together, because having a, re a restroom and a toy shop together would be a weird yeah. attraction thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm even. You know, we're big fans of bathrooms here, but no, even that's taking a little too far for me. Yeah, a little odd. So, well, the the ride was temporarily closed on July fifteenth, two thousand and ten, after California's Department of Occupational Safety and Health pointed out that it lacked handrails on the second floor. You know, the outdoor portion of the ride, even though you weren't really walking. But I guess if there was an evac, you might have to walk on it. You might. You might, you might. So the, the ride reopened with temporary safety rails on August 13th, 2010, and the permanent design has yet to be implemented. Yes, so this, this handrails I have now are kind of like temporary permanent in a way? <laughs> Question mark? Well, I think if they design new ones, they should incorporate the Communicore Weekly logo or our faces. Hey, hey, that's a great idea. I'm totally you know, on board for that. I'm going that. to write a letter to my local Disney congressman and let him know. <laughs> That, that is what should happen. And then we'll see how it goes. He's a nerd. He's a geek. Because we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. Remembering Roy E. Disney, Memories and Photos of a Storied Life by David A. Bossert, and I do hope I'm saying his last name right, is the Book of the Week. Uh, this book, just released in September, is a very interesting title for several reasons. The author, David, 
came to work with and know Roy E. Disney very intimately during the past 30 years. And with the book, David tried to create a sort of a modern biography, sort of. Uh, it was one that sort of shared Roy's life through the eyes of his friends and co-workers. Uh, David, um, can I interrupt for a moment? Yeah. Is yeah. it like the, I don't know if you read the Harriet Burns book, Was is it like that in a way? Yes, yes it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Somewhat. The Harriet Burns book, of course, is wonderful. The uh, first, uh, I was going to say the first lady Imagineer, the first lady of Imagineering. Yes. I think is the title. If not, we'll post it. It's sort of like that. Um, but there are some differences, which I guess I'll sort of talk about maybe right now. <laughs> now I'll talk about that. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Roy E. Disney. Because I know there can be a lot of confusions with Roy's and E's and O's and stuff like that. So Roy E. was the son of Roy O. Disney. And Roy O. Disney, of course, was Walt's brother. They helped form the company. So Roy E. was Walt's nephew. And uh, Roy E. began working for Disney in the mid-1950s uh, until he was elected to the board of directors in 1967. And a few years later, he helped orchestrate the first Save Disney, as it's now called, in 1984, when he helped bring Eisner and Wells into the company's fold. Uh, at that time, he was asked to be put in charge of feature animation and has sort of been seen as the champion of the animation department and of helping to resurrect Disney animation. Um, he was always sort of seen, I guess, as a, a quiet, unassuming man who really had the company's interest uh, at his heart, or the best interest of the company at his heart, I guess you could say that. And this this book, you know, it, it looks at more at the past 20 years of Roy's life and how he was in and out of the company, talks about the sailing that he did, and a lot of the interactions with people. So I really love the book. Really liked it a lot. I the feel like there's a big butt coming. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's Come on, George. <laughs> Let's talk well, about we like, your big butt. We like big butts, and we cannot lie. Um, <laughs> Although when you're standing in Cars Land, do you yell, I like big buttes and I cannot lie? Nope, because you'll you probably get kicked time. out. Oh, that's true. You probably will. So, okay. So, reading this book, you really get a good idea of the type of man that Roy Disney was. As I mentioned, unassuming, cared about everybody, really wanted the Disney company to succeed as well as the artist. Always had, you know, an open heart and an open mind for people. A lot of the stories are beautiful and touching and so well written. You wish you would have known Roy Disney. But what surprises me, and here comes that but, <laughs> is that this book and the publishing of it really feels disjointed. It's a Disney press book. This is an official book from Disney Editions. And it's about a Disney family member. You know, one of the, the last Disney family member to work for the company. And my problem with it is just that the photos from David's book are look like they were taken with an Instamatic camera then photocopied 50 times and then printed in the book. There, there are some gorgeous color photographs in some of the spreads, but most of the other ones are just sort of like they were slapped in there. And I really thought that was a shame. They could have done so much more with this book. Um, okay. And, and to the point where some of them, the, the photos were so grainy, you couldn't really discern who was in the photo, which was kind of weird. That's kind of disappointing, especially yeah. for a, a Disney edition book. Exactly. So, Like I said, somebody whose namesake is the company itself. Okay, but but that aside, the stories are wonderful. And as I mentioned, it seems like Roy E. was a wonderful guy that really cared about the company and everyone he worked with. So if you are a fan of the Disney company, uh, 
the Disney family itself, I think this is a book that you need to own. It's really short. You'll be able to read it in a weekend. Very touching, very heartwarming stories about Roy E. And you realize he was truly, uh, didn't get all the credit he deserved for it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, plus it was really funny to think of, you know, you've got this billionaire walking around going to the Taco Bell in Del Mar and eating hot dogs at Costco was his absolutely favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> you know, because nobody would recognize him, apparently. That's what they said in the book. And he oh. just, he thought their hot dogs were the best at Costco. So that's quite hilarious. Yeah. So, so, you know, Roy, you've just run the Disney's America, won the Disney's America Cup. Where are you going? Well, he's going to Costco to buy a hot dog. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great book. There's a lot of bittersweetness to it because you see the side of Roy that was really fighting for his family legacy. And uh, you realize this was a wonderful man who really touched a lot of people. And, and I do recommend it. It's called Remembering Roy E. Disney, Memories of and Photos of a Storied Life by David A. Bossert. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze, 60-second review. So for this week's 60-second review, and I feel like we should have an audio asterisk. And then when you get to the end of the podcast, it's us laughing. Not actually a 60-second review. Yes, not really 60 seconds. This is because the song was so good. Well, this week's 60-second review is the new release, uh, Phineas and Ferb, Mission Marvel, which uh, premiered on the Disney Channel a few months ago, I believe. And then they've just now released a DVD. And, you know, a lot of people got upset when they first found out there was going to be a cross between the two universes, but I am a huge Phineas and Ferb fan. I begin, I have since the beginning. The humor is fantastic. The songs are amazing. And I love the fact that Phineas is such an amazing and positive character. Um, and of course we love Marvel and the superheroes. So Heck yes, it's like, you know, you know, you got, you know, a little bit of superhero in my Phineas. Hey, hey, hey. It's a good mixture. It's a good I, mixture. So, I remember when they announced this, it was like over a year ago. It was like a year and a half ago they announced it. And I was like, we really have to wait till summer 2013 to get this? Like, I want this now. <laughs> I want this now. Um, so, yeah, we, we watched it when it came on TV and we watched the DVD again. And, you know, the quality was still there. That was great. You're really buying it for the film or the, the, the animated, not quite a feature is what it is because it was, it was about 45 minutes yeah, long it, it was an extended episode because Phineas and Ferb episodes are usually you know 15 minutes a piece per each story and this was the you know extended um, you, you saw it on TV you said yeah I saw it on TV yeah for- see I didn't get a chance to see it on TV I came home late so I missed the beginning and then I just missed all the other times it was on so when it came in the mail I was like nobody bother me I'm gonna watch this <laughs> um, Alex watched it on TV and he I know he loved it and then mm-hmm. I watched it and I was like this is fantastic all of my dreams have come true. Yeah, it's 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 a great mix when they bring the Marvel characters. It, it's it's believable. I know it's a cartoon. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> it's it's believable believable to mix these two universes together, which and, is what and I not think just because Disney about. bought more Marvel, but for exactly. other reasons as well. Exactly. I think hands down, uh, Doofenshmirtz Doofenshmirtz's uh, interactions with the villains were priceless and pure comedy gold <laughs> all I'll say is pay attention to the Red Skull and what the Red Skull says yes so. I concur with that <laughs> for there um, 
you know, it's it's a it was a good mixture of the character, great storyline. Also, with the DVD, if you buy it now, it comes with a comic book, and of course, there are three posters. And I think we actually both of us got the Super Perry. We did poster. We did, but you get one of three random posters, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so this one's the nine-year-old. Uh, well, I guess he's ten by now. Uh, has already claimed it. It's going up on his. So wall. his mind. So I was like, okay, that's fine. I can handle that. The only They're downside. Also, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go on. I was gonna say there are also seven. Are there seven other shorts? Or seven yeah, other seven episodes. other episodes on the disc. Six or seven. I think it was seven, wasn't it? I think it was seven but, to round. Yeah, it out. there's seven other great episodes um, that you're gonna love, and that you've seen a million times. Yes, of course. And there's nothing wrong with having more Phineas and Ferb on DVD. I think it's great. I really. I mean, obviously, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the other episodes. I would have liked to seen a behind the scenes featurette of some sort. You know, yeah. just maybe detailing how the story came together and you know their voice recordings and everything i would have liked to have seen that but i guess you know for these kids dvds we're obviously not the target audience as much as we enjoy it <laughs> so that's just the kind of stuff i'm looking for some other kids are really not as interested into this stuff i know alex is into the behind the scenes stuff kind of because i forced him into it and now he actually does enjoy it but um <laughs> well i mean everybody in the family the nine-year-old the surly 14-year-old they all liked it as well so um you know, I think we, we both enjoyed the film. Uh, I mean, we both enjoyed the DVD. And I, I, I'm, I'm he I always hesitate to buy stuff that's uh, from television. But the quality is there, like all the Phineas and Ferb, and really enjoyed it. And we will watch this many times. I agree. So many, will many, we. Many times. And, of course, it's got an amazing Doctor Who reference in it. We won't spoil we anything. We won't spoil it, but it's but, excellent. But once you figure it out, leave us a comment, send us an email, uh, let us know that you understood the great Doctor Who reference. And, and we'll send you a button for it. Oh, yeah, and we'll send you a button. That's true. Boom. Call the, call the goat line and tell us what the... What the Who reference was. What the Doctor Who reference is, and we'll, we'll send you a Communicore weekly button. But uh, overall, yeah. I loved it. Yes. I'd say go buy it. What do you say, George? Oh, I'd say buy it, definitely. Go buy it right now. Right this second. Go now. Me? No, not... Well, we have it. Oh, okay, but good. But they, they can okay. go out okay. and buy it. Did good. you go yet? I don't think they went yet. Well, maybe they paused it. Okay. Well, hopefully you will be it. back. So we have to sit here until they come back and unpause it? We don't have to sit here, per se. I mean, we can just kind of hang out. Because if they pause it, then, I mean, we're not technically talking. They're going to be hearing this later on, and it's going to be dead air for them. So, well, not dead air, because we're talking. You know, I'm done with this. Let's just go to the goat. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So the Polynesian Resort at Walt Disney World, despite being a gorgeous, gorgeous place, which I love dearly, it also has a lot of history behind it. And not just dorky, nerdy Disney history, which we're totally into, but a lot of pop culture history as well. So, for example, on December 29, 1974, John Lennon actually signed the paperwork that officially broke up the Beatles while at the hotel. So, in a quote from May Pang, she states that on December 29, 1974, the voluminous documents were brought down to John in Florida by one of Apple's lawyers. He finally picked up his pen and, in the unlikely backdrop of the Polynesian Village Hotel at Disney World, ended the greatest rock and roll band in history by simply scrawling John Lennon at the bottom of the page. Wow, so is this like a five-legged political goat? I don't... No, 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 political. not political. Musical, musical goat, goat, I guess. Well... Yeah. Because you, we all know we cannot have enough musical goats in our life. That's true. That's true. 
especially yeah time traveling singing goats are probably the best goats of all yeah so can you imagine a world without time traveling singing five-legged goats no i can't imagine a world like that at all to be honest i wouldn't want to no i wouldn't want to to live in that world no it'd be a weird alternate time type thing yeah i'm not really sure what would happen in that alternate time thing but it's probably not probably not good Probably not a place that, yeah, either one of us would live or want to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. We'll just keep moving forward. Okay. Yeah, let's move forward. Okay. Well, moving to the end. Of of the episode, you mean? Of the episode. Okay. Well, so I guess we made it, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So thank you, everyone, so much for watching and listening to us again. Yes, be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on the iTunes because we love reading them, all of them. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We want more. We're not greedy at all. We just, you know, it's great. I mean, we don't ask for much. No, we don't. We just want you to love us. <laughs> Unconditionally? Well, I mean, there could be a couple of conditions, but we got to agree to them first. Like like leaving a rating on iTunes? Yes, exactly. That's okay, condition okay, number that one. Okay, that makes sense. That's, that's condition number one. Yeah, we'll have to do these. So, okay. So, uh... If you do decide to rate us on iTunes, you can also email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com to let us know or leave us any other comments or mail us bathroom break photos, your own five-legged goats that you may have found, anything at all. Exactly. Be sure to also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly because we always post random stuff on there during the week just because yes, we, we can. Because we can. Because we're the administrators of the page. That's right. And nobody else... Well, I mean, you guys can post also, but it doesn't go out to everybody like we yeah, that's true. That's post true. stuff. I mean, it could. Oh, we like it. We have had a few people email us some great images of them in the park that we put on the Facebook page. We have, especially so. in the phone booths that no longer work, saying, <laughs> I wish you guys would call us. We wish too. I'm sorry we can't. Exactly. Exactly. So you can always follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Same username. I'm at Imagine Nerding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And for those of you who want us to call them, instead, you can call us on the Communicor Weekly Hotline at 424-785-4628. That's 424-785-GOAT, because it's the Communicor Weekly GOAT Hotline. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. I was about to say that was really clever, but I've said that like in the past eight episodes. But it is clever, so we can point out how clever it is again if you want. It's clever. We're just so clever. So, and speaking of clever, for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Communico Weekly, the greatest online show.